Welcome to the BecomeNew.me podcast with John Ortberg. Passage to Wisdom, Episode 30, Teach Us to Number Our Days. Hey, this is John Ortberg. I'm so glad you're joining me today. I want to talk to you about a very, very old request, and it's one of the most profound that anybody can make. It's in the form of a prayer. It's in a psalm, Psalm 9. It's the only psalm, actually, that was attributed to Moses. And then verse 12, here's the request. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, what does it mean to number your days? Obviously, it's it's way more than just giving them a location in the calendar. It's just not identifying that today is whatever today is. It means to recognize that we have a finite number of days and to value them appropriately because they fly by so fast. I'm very aware of that today. I just got back from a trip for the last several days with my brother Bart and my sister Barb and my mom because we were celebrating my mom's birthday. And we're very aware of the fact when we look at each other and how many of our days have flown by. We celebrated the same place where we went to celebrate when my dad turned 80 And then we went there to celebrate when my mom turned 80. And then my dad died just two days short of his 85th birthday. And when he died, my sister is known as Nana to her grandchildren. My dad was Beepa. My mom is Nina. Barbie's Nana. And one of her grandchildren said to her when my dad died, Oh, Nana, coming to grips with the fact that our days are numbered. Nana, you're not going to die next, are you? And Barbie said, Oh, no, honey. Nina's going to die next. Nina was not thrilled at Nana's confidence in what the death order is actually going to be. Because, of course, none of us knows the number of our days. And wisdom means that we come to value them because they are limited and they are finite. And not just that we value them, but we bring value to them. That we learn to live in them with gratitude and with love with meaning. And this is actually expressed in the beginning of that psalm, Psalm 90, in a wonderful statement, Lord, you have been our dwelling place for all generations. Now, what does it mean to have God for a dwelling place? Physically, my family grew up in Rockford. I love Rockford. If you're in Rockford right now, listen to this, man. Uh, That is a sweet place to us. But we don't just have physical homes. We dwell someplace spiritually. And it's possible to dwell with God. And that's what the psalmist talks about. And we do that primarily with our mind. We think about God. We turn our minds towards God. We, we interact with God. We ask God for help. We surrender to God. But there's a great problem in doing this. Very often, we resist being with God. Um, I'm in this series together with you in the Fellowship of the Withered Hand. I can't live right. I can't gain wisdom, but God can give it to me. So I seek to surrender and ask for his help. And at the core of that is this idea, you you are my dwelling place, God. So help me to walk with you, live with you, and give me a heart full of wisdom. Teach me to number my days. Now in his book, The Screwtape Letter, C.S. Lewis writes about a person who had become a Christian. And then he makes some friends that are pulling him away from God, that are cynical and glib and greedy and causing him to be a bit of a chameleon and move away from faith, move away from love. And here's what old Uncle Screwtape writes about this condition. 
he says he wants the man to have not a definite, fully recognized sense of sin, but only a vague, uneasy feeling that he has not been doing very well lately. Here's what he was on the right. This dim uneasiness needs careful handling. If it gets too strong, it may wake him up and spoil the whole game. On the other hand, if you suppress it entirely, we lose an element in the situation which can be turned to good account. If such a feeling is allowed to live, but not allowed to become irresistible and flower into real repentance, it has one invaluable tendency. It increases the patient's reluctance to think about the enemy. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in every generation. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. See, if I am reluctant to think about the enemy, I have stepped out of the only safe dwelling place. All humans uh, at nearly all times have some such reluctance. If you feel yourself a little bit resistant today to thinking about God, don't be surprised. But when thinking of him involves facing and intensifying a whole vague cloud of half-conscious guilt, this reluctance is increased tenfold. They hate every idea that suggests him, just as men in financial embarrassment hate the sight of a checkbook. Checkbooks are something that used to be around a long time ago. Never mind about that. In this state, your patient will not omit, but he will increasingly dislike his spiritual duties. He will think about them as little as he feels he decently can beforehand and forget about them as soon as possible when they're over. A few years ago, old Screwtape is writing to the tempter, Wormwood, few weeks ago, you had to tempt him to unreality and inattention in his prayers, but now you will find him opening his arms to you and almost begging you to distract his purpose and be numb his heart. He will want his prayers to be unreal, for he will dread nothing so much as effective contact with the enemy that is God. As this condition becomes more fully established, you will be gradually freed from the tiresome business of providing pleasures as temptations. As the uneasiness and his reluctance to face it cut him off from more and more real happiness, and as habit renders the pleasures of vanity and excitement and flippancy at once less pleasant and harder to forego, for that is what habit does to a pleasure. So much wisdom here. You will find that anything or nothing is sufficient to attract his wandering attention. You no longer need a good book, which he really likes, to keep us from his prayers or his work or his sleep. Facebook will do. C.S. Lewis didn't write Facebook, but he would have if it would have been around back then. You can make him waste his time, not only in conversation he enjoys with people whom he likes, but in conversations with those he cares nothing about on subjects that bore him. You can make him do nothing at all for long periods. You can keep him up late at night, not roistering, but staring at a dead fire in a cold room. All the healthy and outgoing activities which we want him to avoid can be inhibited and nothing given in return. So that at last he may say, as one of my own patients said on his arrival down here, I now see that I spent most of my life in doing neither what I ought nor what I liked. 
The Christians describe the enemy that is God as one without whom nothing is strong. And nothing is very strong. This is so spiritually profound. Nothing is very strong. Strong enough to steal away a man's best years, not in sweet sins, but in a dreary flickering of the mind over it knows not what and knows not why. In the gratification of curiosity so feeble that the man is only half aware of them. In the drumming of fingers and kicking of heels, in whistling tunes he does not like, or in the long dim labyrinth of reveries that have not even lust or ambition to give them a relish, but which once chance association has started them, the creature is too weak and fuddled to shake off. Teach us to number our days. God, teach us to number our days. Life is flying by. God is present to bring to every moment gratitude to God and love for the people in them is why we're here. And it's so easy and we so easily miss it and trade it in for nothing. Screw tape goes on. You will say that these are very small sins. And doubtless, like all young tempters, you are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness. But do remember, the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy. Lord, you have been our dwelling place. The Lord is our shepherd. The only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate human being from God. It doesn't matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Oh God, oh God, teach us to number this day to give us a heart of wisdom. If there is anything right now in your heart or your mind that causes you to resist God, to not want to think about him, some vague, dim sense of unease, surrender it now. Bring it into the light and let it go. Redeem the time. This moment, God, with all of its trials and all of its difficulties, be my dwelling place now this day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Receive alerts for new episodes by texting the word become to the number 56525 or invite a friend by sharing the link becomenew.me.